This is New England Public Radio. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is What's Going On, our look at the news of the week. Joining us today, the Daily Hampshire Gazette's Larry Parnas and the Springfield Republicans' Ron Shamilis. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Nice to have you here. Let's get to it. This week, Springfield Mayor Dominic Sarno officially kicked off his re-election campaign. Here he is making his case. I've governed uh, in the worst economic times since the Great Depression. And yet I have now the highest bond ratings in the city's history. Well, Ron, let me start with you. What do you think of the mayor's performance up until now? Well, I think he's the heavy favorite. Uh, He talks tough on crime. There is crime to talk tough about. But I don't think people, as a rule, blame him for the shootings and the problems in downtown Springfield. They're looking for solutions. Uh, He's a formidable candidate. He's outspoken. That turns off some people who think he's insensitive. But I think a lot of other people respond to that. And most people were pro-casino. That was a big, uh, you know, campaign selling point for him. So no one's unbeatable, but he will be very tough to beat. Larry, let's talk a little bit about the field of candidates. Who do you think might be some of the people who would give him a run for his money? Well, it's, as I understand, it's until July 28th there uh, people can come forward with candidacies. And I, I also understand, Ron, you far more versed in this than I am, that there could be uh, some challengers this year. Um, but he is going to be a tough guy to beat. You know, he also spoke uh, Monday about uh, leading a city that's on the move again. It's certainly going to look like things are happening in Springfield all through this campaign season, and I think that's going to resonate. I think it's, it's not a good year to challenge this guy. What do you mean by uh, look like things are on the move? Because as Ron, you mentioned, they're real, the violence in Springfield continues to be a real problem. You sounded like you were saying you think that Sarno seems to be on top of that and that people feel comfortable with it, even though it keeps happening. Well, I don't think they feel comfortable with it, but I don't think they blame him. I think they blame economic conditions and a lot of other urban problems that are not just Springfield problems. Uh, And I think they see him, for the most part, as someone doing the best that he can, even if that doesn't seem to be enough. In terms of economic issues, there's about 35 projects that are either started or he says will start soon throughout the city. Downtown is undergoing a change. Uh, The casino is is only one of those uh, aspects. It's the biggest one. Uh, And and he's going to hang his hat on that. He's going to say, don't change in midstream now because we are moving toward a better Springfield. And he does have some some economic points in his side. Can you think of even one person who could get in the race and actually make a difference and compete with him? I I can't think of anybody who would enter the race as a formidable challenger. I I think there's some people who could make it interesting, but I don't think there's going to be a rush to take out nomination papers because I think most people, as Larry indicated, see him as a significant favorite, the incumbent mayor, and a lot of people who would like to challenge him probably won't think this is the year. Well, consider uh, 2011, Jose Tosado, who I think was running a, running a good campaign. Uh, Sarno won 71 percent of the vote. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to switch gears because I think this is also an important conversation when it comes to Springfield, and that's to the subject of work. Massachusetts Bureau of Labor and Statistics released April unemployment figures, and the rate dropped to a six-year low of 4.7 percent statewide. Uh, Springfield's unemployment rate is down a couple of points from last year, but still 9%. Ron, I mean, what is the reality on the ground in terms of these kinds of numbers? And they've been going on for a long time. I always think numbers like that understate the problem. No matter where you check, I I don't think you can 
accurately portray unemployment because there's so many variables involved. I know that officials in Western Massachusetts have been saying for years that they don't get enough of the share of the help from Boston, and they're somewhat optimistic that the Baker administration is more sensitive to that than previous administrations have been. But Baker just started, so if that is true, we haven't seen any residual effect. Well, I mean, unemployment in Springfield, would you describe it as a problem, an ongoing problem? What does it look like? Where, Who's unemployed and where would the jobs come from? Well, I think it's definitely an ongoing problem. I think the question is whether there is the proper manpower or people power to, to solve that. As I said, there are industries coming in. There's a railway company coming in from China. There's the casino coming in. There will be jobs. Are people in Springfield suited for those jobs? That's a good question, and I don't know the answer yet. Larry, let's look a little broader in terms of Western Massachusetts. How would you describe employment challenges in Northampton and some of the more rural towns? I think the Northampton and Amherst area, because of their heavy uh, involvement with higher education and with health care, uh, those are the two fields uh, that in the latest uh, statement of unemployment figures, those are the fields that are creating the most jobs. I think the state said that there were 10,000 jobs added in Massachusetts Well, yeah, the colleges, April. the colleges are, are yep. sort of a, you know... Susan, you cited the 9% unemployment rate in Springfield in uh, in Amherst. Uh, this is for March is the month I looked up. It's 3.6%, Northampton 3.5%. But in the you know greater Springfield area, including Holyoke, 7.7%, there is a very clear difference uh, by community on, in terms of the success people have in finding and holding jobs. You know, speaking of schools, the school year is winding down and along with the annual proms and graduations are almost as perennial school bomb threats. So, Larry, I wonder how school officials balance the reality that most of these events don't result in rising beyond anything at the level of prank, but with the real security threat caused by the exception to that rule, and sometimes that happens. So how do they balance that? I actually think this is an easy one for them. They cannot balance it. I mean, there is no do we... Uh, respond in a different way today. Uh, you know, this happened in Palmer. Uh, in April, Palmer school officials did not report uh, a, a bomb threat, uh, even though about a year before they'd put a policy in place that orders uh, an immediate evacuation and notification of fire and police. I think the the answer here is that um, if, if there's a, a serious recurring problem here, some of the things schools can do as deterrence is to uh, hold Saturday classes, uh, hold Saturday classes. Hold Saturday classes. Make do things that make That's it. That's a way to stop that disincline bomb students to do things that say, "Hey, man, did you see what I did? I got you out of class that day." Well, you got me into Saturday class, and so that's not cool. Huh. That's kind of interesting. I hadn't thought of that, Ron. I hadn't thought of that. I don't think anybody's thought of that, but it's worth thinking about because, frankly, nobody has a better solution. The Palmer case was fascinating and disturbing because the principal of the school involved and the superintendent made the decision that it was a prank and they did not call authorities. And they were right. But even though they were right, they were disciplined because they went against the policy. Now the school committee, I understand, is looking at the policy and saying maybe we need a more nuanced uh, set of uh, rules and regulations. They want decisions like that made, but not necessarily by school officials. They're still going to call in the police. It's a very elusive problem. Maybe Saturdays. That's the best solution I've heard because I haven't heard another one. Well, I've, I've read about it. It's not my idea. You know, another thing is when in the event that they are able to identify someone who's made a threat, you know, some of the charges that they bring are pretty alarming, like t- making a terrorist threat. So how would you like to have that on your uh, on your resume as a young person? Well, it is actually time to wrap up. And uh, so Larry Parnas from the Daily Hampshire Gazette, 
Ron Schmillis from the Springfield Republican. I want to thank you so much for joining us and tell everybody out there and you all as well to have a good Memorial Day. Thank you for listening to What's Going On. This is New England Public Radio, and I'm Susan Kaplan. Right.